this morning we're continuing our series called Q&A. Each week we're throwing out a cue, a question that um, a lot of people ask, a question related to the Christian life, and then we're formulating an answer from the Bible, an answer that we hope will answer the question for you and, and help you. Uh, today's question is a follow-up to the one we asked last week. Last week's question was, is going to church really all that important? Now, we concluded that it is. And so today's question is the obvious next step in that train of thought. If going to church is important, does it matter what kind of church I attend? Now, many people would say that it doesn't. Many people would say that churches are all essentially the same at their core. You know, we all worship the same God. And so you just need to find a church they, maybe that's close to your house or maybe one you like their, their worship style or whatever and just go with it. But I think this question is a bit more complex than that and deserves a more thoughtful answer. And I think the place to start formulating that answer is with four important facts about churches, just all churches. We'll go through these very quickly. Here's the first one. No two churches are exactly alike. Even if they have the same doctrine, even if they have the same basic philosophy of ministry, no two uh, churches are exactly alike. For example, First Christian Church in Kissimmee, in downtown Kissimmee, is our mother church. That church started this church back in 1979. And so, um, you know, it's a great church. You know a lot of people there, fantastic people. Um, we would agree with just about everything they, they do, their whole philosophy of ministry and everything, very similar to ours. But if you go to church there for a while and then you come to church here for a while, you'll notice that it's very different. Uh, their preacher doesn't preach like I preach. Their music doesn't sound like our music. Their building isn't laid out like our building. Their weekly schedule isn't like our weekly schedule. So even when churches are very similar, they can be very different. No two churches are exactly alike. Fact number two is that every church has imperfections. And that should be obvious just from the fact that churches are made up of people, right? But even beyond that, no church does everything well. Uh, Bob Russell, who preached for many years at the Great Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, a church that runs over 20,000 on the weekends, uh, used to say that 95% of Southeast was great, 4% was not so hot, and 1% was downright nasty. And I suppose, um, even though the percentages might vary, I would say you could probably make that statement about any church in the world. Every church has things it does that are just great. But every church has things that are not so hot. And probably every church has things that are downright nasty. Uh, no church is perfect. Fact number three is that some churches are dysfunctional and dangerous. In other words, they don't just have imperfections. They have deep-seated institutional and culture-related flaws that end up hurting people. A few weeks ago, in week one of this series, I shared a statistic with you from the Barna Group. The Barna Group is an organization that studies churches and their impact on culture. And they said that of all the people who don't go to church, 37% of them used to go to church. But they quit 
because they felt they were being abused by the church. Now, even if we allow for the fact that some of those people are wrong, even if we allow for the fact that some of those people really weren't being abused, maybe they were just too sensitive, still, I think it's an undeniable fact that a lot of people um, have been hurt and scarred because of their church experience. Because some churches are dysfunctional and dangerous, and they do hurt people. And that brings us to fact number four, which is that some churches are healthy and life-giving. Over the years, I've seen a lot of broken, troubled people come to church and find healing for their souls. They find exactly what they need to help them have a better life. And sometimes it's not broken people who come. Sometimes it's very successful people, very productive people who still yet maybe feel a little empty on the inside. And they come to church and they find exactly what it is they're looking for. So we can talk about all the people who've been hurt in church and there are people like that. But I think the far bigger group of people would be those who have been richly blessed by their church and who have come to love their church because many churches are healthy and life-giving. So with those four facts in mind, it becomes pretty obvious, doesn't it, that it really does matter what kind of church you attend. The goal should be to find a healthy, life-giving church. And so with that in mind, I want to spend the rest of my time this morning giving you four characteristics of healthy, life-giving churches. Notice this morning that we're not talking about what name is over the door of the church. We're not talking about denominations. We're not talking about different types or styles of churches. That's irrelevant to this discussion. We're talking about simply the characteristics of healthy, life-giving churches. There are four of them. Here's the first one. Healthy and life-giving churches are balanced when it comes to hating and loving. They're balanced when it comes to hating and loving. Anytime you study what the Bible says about churches, you just have to go to the second and third chapters of Revelation. Because it's in those chapters that you find what Jesus said to seven churches in Asia Minor. Those churches were in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The one I want to call your attention to is the church in Ephesus. I want to show you two things Jesus said to that church. First of all, in Revelation 2.2, he said, I know you don't tolerate evil people. Along that same line, he said it again in verse 6. He said, this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. He was complimenting them. He was commending them for the fact that they hate evil. Churches should hate evil. But then he said this to them in verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now, you know what those two two statements tell me? They tell me that that church was imbalanced when it came to hating and loving. They were really good at hating, hating evil. 
They excelled at hating evil. But they weren't so hot at loving Jesus and each other. So whenever there was something to be against, you know, whenever somebody tried to bring sin into the church or whenever somebody brought in a false doctrine, oh, they would rise up, they would uh, have this righteous indignation, and they would lash out, and they would squelch that evil. Good for them. But when it came time to love Jesus and love each other, they were a mess. Friends, you want to go to a church that has a nice balance between loving and hating. And and I know that hate is a strong word. It's It's a word we really don't like. Some of you parents may not even allow your children to say the word around the house. I know I wasn't allowed to say hate when I was a little boy. I hate that. Don't say hate. And we're kind of raised to think that hate is a bad thing. But you know what? The word hate appears in the Bible 178 times. Hebrews 1.9 says that God hates evil. If we want to be like God, we have to hate evil too. But you don't want to go to a church that only knows how to hate evil. If that's all the church knows how to do is just hate evil, you don't want to go to that church. Listen, it might feel good for a while. If you get into a church that really hates evil, yeah, it might feel good because you kind of feel like you're really sticking it to the devil, but someday in that church, when you need to be loved and the love is not there, you're going to feel like, wait, something is wrong here. I'm, I'm supposed to be loved at my church. And when you need love and there is no love, you're going to realize you're in the wrong church. Healthy, life-giving churches, yes, they know how to hate evil. But they also need to know how to love Jesus and love people. Secondly, healthy and life-giving churches are firmly rooted in Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Those two verses speak clearly to the the importance of Scripture. And yet a lot of churches today... Do not honor and hold up the Bible. I want to give you three subtle ways a lot of churches diminish the Bible. In fact, these ways are so subtle that you might not even notice it's happening if you're not paying attention. Three ways churches diminish the Bible. First of all, churches diminish the Bible by implying that it's not sufficient. It's not sufficient. For example, a pastor might say this. God spoke to me this week. He gave me a really important message that I need to share with you. If you ever hear me say that, if you ever hear Mike Black say that, get up out of your seat and walk straight out the door. Anytime a pastor tells you That God is telling him things that he's not telling you. 
That is diminishing. That is insulting Scripture. I want to tell you something. You have everything you need to know in your Bible. That is the revelation of God to his people. You have everything you need to know in your Bible. Now, do you need preachers and teachers? Of course. You need people who will study and go a little deeper and explain and expound on things. Yes. But you have everything you need to know in your Bible. Anytime you have a pastor who's, who says God is talking to him and telling him things he's not telling you, that diminishes the Scripture. Here's another way churches diminish the Bible. By suggesting that it's not applicable. Somebody might say, well, you know, the Bible was written in a different time, written in a different culture. A lot of what the Bible teaches really isn't applicable to modern America. Wow, what a smooth way that is to get around just about any Bible uh, teaching that you don't like. You say, oh, well, you know, times have changed. God doesn't expect us to live that way anymore. A third way churches diminish the Bible is by suggesting that it's not believable. I heard a preacher say one time, well, you know, in the Garden of Eden, the snake didn't really talk. Who ever heard of a talking snake? It was more like, you know, Eve had these thoughts pop into her mind at the exact moment she saw the snake, and so she kind of related them together in her mind. But the snake didn't really talk. Here's another one I've heard. And in the book of Exodus, you know, the Nile River didn't really turn to blood, not actual blood. It was like there was some reddish silt on the bottom of of the river, and it was during the rainy season, and that silt kind of got stirred up, and the water had kind of a reddish tint to it, and the people kind of said it looked like blood. But it wasn't really blood. Friends, there are a lot of pastors who, who try to reduce the amount of faith it takes to believe the Bible because they think they're going to get more followers that way. And so they make everything that's really amazing in the Bible, they make it out to be symbolic or figurative. Or they take these these Bible stories that show the power of God, and and they just say, well, it's an allegory. The the Red Sea didn't really literally part. Jonah wasn't really literally swallowed by a great fish. Don't assume that because a guy wears the title pastor, don't assume that because he has a degree from a Christian college, don't assume that because the church has been there a long time, that that church is teaching scripture. In a lot of churches today, the name of Jesus is rarely mentioned. In a lot of churches today, celebrities and pop song lyrics are quoted more than the Apostle Paul. In a lot of churches today, biblical requirements like baptism and the Lord's Supper are considered optional or unimportant. In a lot of churches today, your political party affiliation is more important than your theology. In a lot of churches today, people who don't even believe in Jesus are on the stage leading in worship. In a lot of churches today, gimmicks have replaced the gospel as the preferred tool to try to draw new people into the body. And all of these things happen when the scriptures are diminished. When the Bible is not lifted up and honored as the true, inspired word of God, then the church really goes off the rails. So, you want to find a church 
that, that truly honors and believes the Bible. Here's characteristic number three. Healthy and life-giving churches value people more than things. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, was standing at the deli counter at one of our local supermarkets. There was two people there, the whole length of the deli counter. There were two people there, me and another lady. She got there before I did. So one of the employees behind the counter was helping her fill her order. And I was standing beside her waiting patiently. In front of me were three other deli employees. One of them was cleaning the slicing machine. Another one was sweeping the floor. And a third one was uh, scooping popcorn into plastic bags and sealing them up. They all looked at me. They all saw me standing there. They went on cleaning and sweeping and scooping popcorn. So I waited. And it just so happened, and don't you hate it when this happens at the deli counter, the customer in front of you wants about 10 different things. <laughs> Isn't that the most frustrating thing in the world? You think, okay, she's done. Oh, she wants something else. And then, okay, she's done now. Oh, she wants something else. This woman got ham, she got chicken, she got all kinds of different cheeses. And I'm standing there waiting patiently while three other employees are cleaning, sweeping, and scooping popcorn. Finally, it got so embarrassing and noticeable that the lady standing behind me turns and she, uh, beside me, she turns and apologizes. She said, I'm so sorry, I'm getting so much. So I said, no, it's fine. She said, I can't believe what, these people aren't helping you. They see you standing here. And I said, ma'am, that's what happens when popcorn becomes more important than people. <laughs> and she laughed, and she thought I was clever, I'm sure. What I didn't tell her was, I didn't just think of that. I've been preaching that for 30 years. If you have been to this church any length of time, you have heard me say, people are more important than things. People are more important than popcorn. If you work in any kind of service-related uh, industry, and you think popcorn in a bag is more important than helping a customer, you have lost your way. When you visit a prospective church, you need to ask yourself, are people important here? Are people important to the people who lead this church? Or do they care more about their attendance numbers or their technology or their worship style or their, oh, I hate this word, or their brand? That's the big thing nowadays in churches. You've got to have the right brand. You've got to have the right look. You've got to have the right gimmicks. A lot of churches are very corporate and very gimmicky. And, and it's because they're on an all-out quest to find just the right hook to connect with just the kind of people they want in their church, to give them a, a leg up on the competition. I like what a preacher said not long ago. I heard him say, he said, our church has a gimmick. Our church has a gimmick. Our gimmick is we don't have a gimmick. I think I would like a church like that. See, some churches understand 
that there are ten commands in the Bible, at least ten, that end with the words, one another. Ten commands, like serve one another, love one another, forgive one another, comfort one another, encourage one another. Ten commands in Scripture that end with the words, one another. If you go to a church where gimmicks are more important than those one another commands, you're probably going to wake up one day and realize you're in the wrong church. Healthy, life-giving churches consider people to be more important than things. And then one more very quickly. Healthy and life-giving churches have an impact beyond the walls of their building. My least favorite kind of person is a self-centered person. A selfish, self-centered person. Somebody who, you know, just think the world revolves around them. Um, That's my least favorite kind of church, too. And I would say it's probably Jesus' least favorite kind of church. Just before he ascended back to heaven, he said this to his disciples in Acts 1.8. He said, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Any church that hunkers down behind its four walls and only takes care of itself and never really thinks about anybody out in the community or out in the world, that church really shouldn't call itself Christian. Because the whole spirit of Christianity is uh, to reach out to others. Read the book of Acts and see how the gospel grew and expanded and leaped over borders and permeated other cultures. Just a few weeks ago, week one of this series, I told you the story in, in Acts chapter 8 about a Jewish man from Jerusalem who had a conversation with an Ethiopian man and he, and he shared Jesus with him and he baptized him into Christ. That Ethiopian man went back to his home in Ethiopia and most scholars believe that's how the gospel got from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. Because one man was thinking about more than just himself and shared the gospel. If you want to be a part of an organization that is closed off to the outside world and doesn't think about anybody but itself, go join a country club. But if you're looking for a church, a healthy, life-giving church, you need to find one that's having an impact beyond its four walls. So we come back to our question, does it matter what kind of church I attend? Surely you would agree after hearing this, that yes, it does matter what kind of church you attend. I heard a story one time about a college student that was talking to a very successful businessman. And he said, how can I get to be as successful as you are? And the businessman said, well, you have to make a lot of good decisions. And the student said, well, how can I get to the place where I make consistently good decisions? And the businessman said, well, you need experience. And the college student said, well, how do I get experience? And the businessman said, well, you need to make a lot of bad decisions. (laughs) And you know what? There's more than a little truth in that. A bad decision will teach you quicker than anything else what a good decision looks like. And some of you may have experienced this kind of thing in your quest to find a church. If you, if you were a part of a bad church for a while, you know, a dysfunctional church, you probably walked away from that experience kind of having a pretty good understanding of what a good church should look like because it shouldn't look like the one you just left. 
But here's the thing. This process of finding a good, healthy, life-giving church, it should not take trial and error. I mean, you shouldn't have to be miserable in a church for three or four years to try to figure out what a good church is supposed to look like. If you ever come to a place in your life where you need to look for a church, try to find one that is balanced when it comes to hating evil and loving Jesus and loving people. Balanced. Hate is okay. But that shouldn't be all a church does. Yes, hate evil, but also love Jesus and love people. Look for a church that is firmly rooted in Scripture, that holds the Bible up and honors the Scripture as the inspired Word of God. Look for a church that values people over things. And look for a church that isn't just all wrapped up in itself. Look for a church that's having an impact beyond its four walls. And when you find a church like that, I'm pretty sure you'll fall in love with it and be truly blessed. Let's pray.